What if it rained food? What if Earth was a cube? What if we had nine lives? What if bits could fly? It's absurd. If money grew on trees, if we didn't have knees, if we walked through life slightly magnetical, it's absurd. Absurd hypotheticals. Oh, oh, oh. Merry Christmas, everyone, and welcome to Absurd Hypotheticals. The show where we idea. overthink dumb questions <laughs> so you don't have to. I'm your host, Santa Claus, and I'm joined here today by Chris Yee and Ben Storms. Say hello, boys. Why did you call us boys? <laughs> because Say Hi Guys didn't really fit Santa Claus's, uh, you know, character there. <laughs> hello, I'm Elf Chris. Hi, I'm unfortunately Ben. <laughs> Elf Ben. <laughs> And say it in an elf voice, please, and thank you. We're trying to maintain some atmosphere here. I refuse. I'm Elf Chris. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> I'm Elf Ben. <laughs> oh, man. I, it's, this, this is just the perfect Christmas, because not only is it Christmas and, and a wonderful time, it's also episode 125, which is almost like 1225, close enough that my brain is just firing neurons back and forth and just... Filled with Christmas cheer. (laughs) (sighs) So, of course, our question today is Christmas-themed. And that question is, what if every house was a gingerbread house? Have you guys ever made a gingerbread house? Yeah. I mean, I'm sure you have. I think that's something everyone does. At least a good, like, dozen of them. I haven't made a dozen of them. I've made maybe, like, three... Three? That's so few. I I'm feel probably like I've done in the high like, single digits at least. Like not any recently in the last like eight years or so, but definitely like nearly yearly from like age you know four to like twelve. No, we didn't. We never did it yearly. I think we did it for. Did we do it for Cub Scouts? We might have done it for Cub Scouts. I actually made one last year. Fun you made fact. One last year. Yep. My wife really wanted to make one, so we made one at my when we went to my my family for the era for uh, christmas last year cool was it any because like when you make it as a kid it's not that good was it better <laughs> no no it's <was> probably worse <laughs> honestly oh no why so bad <laughs> we just weren't all that good at it i don't know like <laughs> like it tasted good we ate it but how long do you wait before you actually eat the gingerbread house oh immediately <laughs> immediately you have to like put it on display but then it gets, it, it's definitely worse if you don't eat it immediately. But then what's the point of making it if no one sees it? Well, it's not supposed to be good. It's like a fortune cookie. It's a, it's an experience, but it doesn't, it's not, the taste isn't the driving factor of it. But like, you're gonna eat it and you'd rather eat it when it still is more edible. That is entirely not in the spirit of the thing, I think. <laughs> but like, okay, I, I see your, I kind of see your point about putting it on display, but like everyone who is going to see it, it's just our house. Everyone who is going to see it built it. So like, just eat it. I don't know. Okay, how long? How long was it on? How long between putting on the last, you know, little gumdrop on top and the consumption? Um, I'm gonna guess ten minutes. What? That is way too short. I thought you at least did it in the afternoon and like waited till after dinner to like be like, yeah. okay, now it's that was fun. No, I'm pretty like, sure we did it at night and then ate it at night. You had to wait like at least an hour. <laughs> We definitely would not wait an hour to have any of it. <laughs> oh no, Ben, that's not. I mean, okay, hold on. Let me think enough. about. It. Let me think about it. Maybe, maybe we waited. 
Maybe maybe it was more than that. It's it's. I mean, it's been like a year, so it's not. It's hard for me to remember the exact specifics of our gingerbread house day. Like, to be fair, like, like that feels like you just like you just like slap it together and you're like, all right, that was fun, and then just like chow down on it. Maybe maybe we did wait until after dinner. It was like we finished it right before dinner and ate it after dinner. Did you take a picture of it at least? Oh yeah, we didn't take pictures of it. Okay. I feel like you have to separate the the activity of building it from the activity of eating it. Yeah, we separate it with taking pictures of it. It took about 10 minutes. It's like, how long do you wait when you complete a puzzle to take it apart? I'll eat that immediately, too. (laughs) (laughs) Ben, that's also not the spirit of puzzling. (laughs) Maybe to you. I don't know. Now I want to make edible puzzles. I'm sure Mm. they exist. Chocolate is not a good base. (laughs) No, no, no. What is a good base? Um... Gingerbread. <laughs> God, it actually probably is gingerbread. gingerbread you can do like some harder, probably some like harder biscuits or something. Yeah. The problem is, I feel like I feel like any like biscuit or cracker is still gonna be too like brittle. It's yeah, just gonna, gonna like break, and then the puzzle's gonna be ruined. Yeah. I want a Jello puzzle because you can make all the pieces fit together if you really want to. <laughs> I mean, that's true of any puzzle, Marcus. <laughs> but it's a little bit easier with the Jello because you just Fine. squish yeah. the pieces in. I know what you mean. Them. Yeah, I know you can take a piece of a puzzle piece and like hammer it into the fucking ground. Or no, I I just meant that making all the pieces fit together was kind of the idea of the puzzle was more my joke. Anyway, oh, we should, ooh, have, that, we should make a, a puzzle cookie cutter so you can make cookie puzzles. Well, theoretically, also puzzles already exists. made with a big cookie cutter. Yeah, I bet there's a set of like four cookie cutters that fit together into a puzzle. Someone has to have made that. Yeah, that's probably already a thing. The trick is the trick is with baking cookies though, is that you have to cut them before you bake them and then they expand and now they no longer fit together. Yeah, it's it's a better idea in theory than in, in practice. I, I just found yep, I just found a mold. A cookie cutter mold. Mm. Never mind, I'm not gonna do that. Actually, <laughs> what you could do so I think you bake it in the cookie cutters. Oh, uh, okay. Oh, that'll do it. And that way they, they won't expand and it'll it'll fit together. There's a little picture. Hold on, I'm gonna put this in the chat. A little picture right here they do exist just like santa claus guys and the m&m guys and the m&m guys thanks elf ben <laughs> i'm i'm in the spirit apparently <laughs> hello i'm elf chris <laughs> he's a little confused but he got the spirit <laughs> well we do a podcast here don't we <laughs> yeah we do does that mean you want to start us off ben with our um with our question of what if every house was a gingerbread house sure so I really wanted to figure out how feasible eating a full-size gingerbread house is. Because eating is obviously the only important part, Ben. Yeah. <laughs> you know, who needs to do anything else with it? He's going to build it and then eat it and have nowhere to live. Yeah. So first things first, uh, I actually, Chris and I both wound up going to the same place. We found the biggest gingerbread house that's ever been built, which the, the Guinness World Record gingerbread house was built uh, by the Texas A&M Traditions Club in Bryan, Texas in 2013. It was 60 feet long, 42 feet wide, and 10 feet tall. Uh, so about 2,500 oh, square feet. That's Yeah, that's house size. That's not even oh, like yeah. scaled yeah, down house. a little. It's no, that is just house. straight up a house. Yeah, <laughs> it was actually, they actually had to build it to code. Um, it had wiring and, you know, like it was a full on just a house. Full disclosure, it had a wooden frame. I know technically... To go full on on this question, we probably should have figured out how to structurally build a house entirely out of gingerbread. I did not want to do that. And neither did the two people here who are actually civil engineers. So <laughs> <laughs> I specifically steered away from that. Yeah. I, 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 the, problem with, the, problem with the, the problem with those 
like, and I'll just say this. The problem with not, the reason I didn't do the structural because I did look at it was that the conclusion, if you like, design something with a shitty material, is basically that you can't have long like floor spans. So basically, you just fill your whole building with columns, and you just make a somewhat solid block of gingerbread. And you've just now ruined all the practicality of the the thing you're trying to. Yes, do. all the practicality of the incredible practical, incredibly practical <laughs> full size house made of gingerbread. <laughs> <laughs> Gingerbread's actually also not too bad. Comparatively, is not too bad a material That's true. compared to some other shit we've looked at. So yeah. it, it probably wouldn't have gone particularly interesting. But but yeah. Anyway, I decided my my frame of, frame of mind was that um if Guinness Book World Records says that a gingerbread house can stuff a wooden frame, I say it can stuff a wooden frame. So your frame of mind was wooden. Hey, hey there we go. <laughs> um, no no response to that joke, Marcus. Nope. No. Hey, I, I gotta let Elf Chris have you know spread the holiday cheer. So I there can't I can't knock him too much. Yeah. So so I sort of used this as my my starting point, and fortunately, um, they listed out the entirety of of the. I guess, recipe, quote unquote, for this house, which was 1,800 pounds of butter, 2,925 pounds of brown sugar, 7,200 eggs, 225 gallons of molasses, 7,200 pounds of all-purpose flour, and then just a bunch of ground ginger and cinnamon and baking soda, along with, for the icing, 417 quarts of egg whites, uh, 4,165 pounds of powdered sugar, and 125 ounces of cream of tartar. So, a lot. The gingerbread itself was, it wasn't just like solid sheets, because that would never possibly work. They actually made about 4,012 by 17 inch bricks, effectively, of gingerbread. And then sort of, you know, iced those onto the frame. I was seeing, there was, there was a, a video I watched that had like interviews with the people who did it. And like the, the chef behind it was talking about how they, they like tested with a few, um, few of the, like the first try of the bricks. And um, they, like, left it out overnight. And it was in Texas, obviously, so it was pretty hot still, even though it was November. And the next day, they had just, like, like you know, almost melted down onto the ground. So they had, oh. like, take out a bunch of um, butter and molasses, I think, from the recipe. So it's still gingerbread. Maybe not what you would do at home if you were making a gingerbread house. But it is still edible gingerbread and, and icing. So... First things first, how many calories is this house? They had a number. I decided to go ahead and calculate it myself just because I didn't necessarily trust theirs. The engineers, the, the actual engineers who built an actual gingerbread house, are you like, I don't trust those guys. I can do this. It was more I didn't necessarily trust the um, the article that was in, in the like wide open eats website I found that was talking about it. I want to make sure that they were accurate. I also, to be fair, they also used 2,500 pounds of candy to decorate it. I'm not going to lie. I ignored the candy. Because that was just going to be a whole other can of worms. That's in the spirit. <laughs> well, okay. <laughs> in terms of making a viable, livable gingerbread house, the candy does not actually matter. To be fair, it's all decorative. It's not It's not a gingerbread candy house. It's a gingerbread house. Exactly. This is What, what you asked for was a house of gingerbread, and that is what I provided, damn it. Pedantic tree? Pedantry? Pedantry? What's the word for pedantics? But I think ped- the... pedantry. Pedantry? Yeah. I don't know. That doesn't sound right at all. It does not sound right at all. <laughs> pedantry but... and technicalities is the Christmas spirit today. Pedantry? I don't know. I think it's just pedantics. Pedantics? Pedantics. <laughs> You better not cut literally any of that, Chris. <laughs> Pedantry. <laughs> um, so, 
all, all told, if you calculate out, you know, the calories are, you know, included in all those ingredients, you wind up with 34,250,000 calories, um, which is not surprisingly a lot. So assuming a 2000 calorie diet a day for, for you know, one person, um, it would take one person about 47 years to eat this house. And unfortunately, the shelf life of gingerbread for like a gingerbread house is only about three or four weeks. So that's not going to work. And we're pretty clearly reaching a pretty, a pretty unfortunate food wastage situation. I did, I did figure out that assuming that that lasted a full 28 days, if you had people eating only that gingerbread house, 2000 calories a day, it would still take them like 614 days to eat all of it. So I think we're going to have to sort of, you know, probably downsize a little bit is what I, you know, eventually settled on to try to make this anywhere close to practical. <laughs> yeah, that's a lot of 614 man days of eating is a lot. Yeah. Or actually, well, no, it would it would be it would be uh, about 17,000 man days. It would be 16, 614 man months, I guess, of eating. <laughs> man months. <laughs> Mad months. <laughs> so let's go down to a gingerbread tiny house. So I found some sort of like generic tiny house like plans online. And sort of the floor plans I was seeing were about, it was like eight feet wide by 18 feet long. I changed that a little bit. I went to eight and a half feet wide by 18.4 feet long, just because that way we could use like full of those 12 by 17 bricks. I also calculated those bricks. It works out to being about 6,700 calories per brick which I thought seemed high until I looked up how many calories gingerbread actually has. It's accurate. Gingerbread is really bad for you, it turns out. <laughs> <laughs> An 8x8 eight eight square of gingerbread, which doesn't seem like that much. That feels like, you know, I don't know, a couple cookies. That's like 2,300 calories. Yikes. Whoa. Don't eat gingerbread. <laughs> it's not worth it. That's a lot of So calories. how much of this house, how much gingerbread house did you eat then? <laughs> uh, not that much. It's not that good. <laughs> we tried a little bit, ate some candy. I think we left most of it just sort of, you know be around as like a 80% constructed house. It was fine. Don't yeah, worry about it. I probably throw that out sometime. Yeah. <laughs> There's been a hole in the roof for a while. But uh, using using sort of that floor plan and assuming just like a, you know, regular nine foot tall ceiling, doing a tiny house, let's say, would be about, about 500 bricks, which is still going to be about 4 million calories, like 4.2 million calories, which would still be about... 200 or sorry 2142 person days of eating which doing that same calculation you need 76 people eating full-time to do it before it goes bad so once again i was hoping to get to a point where you could just have like you know a tiny house village and you would be i guess technically with 76 person months i guess of eating if you had like 30 of these houses with two people in them each you could eat one house while building a new house for that person and be just about on pace. But that's still cutting it. It's not not really ideal, I guess, to have just 30 tiny houses all together and call that a city. So my last attempt to make something vaguely actually practical was basically just making a coffin. I want to figure out the smallest possible, like, oh, abode you could make that someone could technically, like, sleep in. So I made it five of those bricks long, two tall and two wide. So that winds up being like seven feet long and then two feet wide and t and high. So you could, you know, you could lie in this and sleep in it. 
What's the definition of house? Is a coffin de- uh, technically a house? Almost certainly not, but it's close to those, like, you know, you know, like the, um, like, pod apartments that they have in, like, yeah, um, Japan? In it's, like, close to that, sort of. What, what, what part do you eat first of your coffin? Do you eat the, do you eat the floor, the roof, or the walls? I would eat the floor first. Fun fact, I actually had not included the floor in any of these numbers. <laughs> Oh, good. <laughs> so, so we don't need to define what a floor is. Don't define a floor. <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna pretend that you just had like a stone, stone foundation. <laughs> Actually, do do gingerbread houses typically have floors? You usually just put it, you just build it on something. Do you start with? A, I guess you start with a flat one. I don't think my gingerbread house has ever had like a a gingerbread floor. I don't think it has. Yeah, I don't think I have. Yeah, either. you just build you walls in the ceiling. Build on cardboard. Yeah. Yeah. So you have your cardboard box, like, flattened <laughs> out, on which you have your cardboard coffin. Or, sorry, gingerbread you coffin. You eat that last. <laughs> yeah, you eat the cardboard last. So you have this effectively gingerbread coffin. It takes 20 bricks of gingerbread. It's still 172,000 calories. Wait, is that right? Hold on. <laughs> that can't be right. No, that is right. Jesus, this is so bad for you. Don't eat gingerbread, guys. And it's still going to take you on your own 86 days to eat it. So if you can fit three people in there, you could all eat your house before it goes bad every time. But that seems impractical. So I think overall, my main takeaway here is don't build a house out of gingerbread. It's going to go bad. You don't have to eat your gingerbread house. But that seems so wasteful. I assume you'd want to live in it. Well, but I mean, like, otherwise, otherwise, I think your ideal situation is, is ideally, if you could eat a gingerbread house before it goes bad... You would be eating away one house while building a second house and just like, you know, you would eat your kitchen once your new kitchen is made and then use that. You know, you sort of effectively have two houses you just go between as one is being constructed slash deconstructed, right? That's the point I was hoping to get to. And then die at 30. Well, probably less than that, <laughs> honestly. It's pretty much entirely like fat and sugar. <laughs> Don't eat a gingerbread house ever. <laughs> <laughs> Like, that's the main, the main, I hope you, if you learn something a day, is don't eat gingerbread. It's not that's worth it. That's the Christmas it. spirit, Ben. Yep, I got there. <laughs> Elf, Ben. Yep. Thank you. Anyway, Chris, what did you do? Elf, Chris. Yeah, Elf, Chris. Elf, Chris. Sorry. Thank you. So I looked at the supply side of things, because if every single house in the world is a gingerbread house, then do we have enough supplies to actually build them? So I, I, I use the same world record that Ben used. I use that as, like, the basis like the base house, just a standard house. And so I'm not going to like read off all the, the numbers again, all the ingredients, but I wanted to find out how many houses there are actually in the world. So I found a list of 152 countries. It was like organized by household. So like the country with the most households was first and then onward. So um, I add them up and it was roughly around 2 billion households in the world. Um, which means that I'm, I need to multiply all my ingredients by 2 billion. There's going to be a lot of ingredients, obviously. That's in the Christmas spirit. I feel like multiplying things by billions is in the Christmas spirit. Yes. You're already a better elf than Ben. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so I feel like there are like four main components to a gingerbread house. There's candy canes, gumdrops, icing, and the actual gingerbread. So I looked at them separately. And I started with candy canes. So... The world's largest candy cane in the world, redundant, um, <laughs> is it was made in 2012 by Geneva pastry chef Alan Robbie, 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 I don't know. And it was 51 feet long. 
So pretty big. Um, I don't think ours need to be quite that big. I just wanted to kind of see what the benchmark was. And then obviously it's possible to make what we want. I'm going to say that we, we maybe want like four foot long candy canes to like maybe like line the walkway leading up to our front door or something. That'd be nice. Yeah, just st- standard gingerbread house stuff. Decor. Yeah. And I didn't really like I couldn't find exactly what the ratio of like sugar and other ingredients would be for this but it would eat into our sugar supply i'm gonna look at sugar later but assuming that we don't have enough sugar like if we don't have enough sugar i don't think it really matters we can we can sacrifice candy canes um in favor of other ingredients too candy canes are kind of like i feel like the least important of the ingredients so next i looked at gumdrops so the world record house used 22,304 pieces of candy and I'm going to assume that all those are gumdrops even though they weren't but (laughs) gumdrops seems to be like the standard type of candy that you put on a a gingerbread house agreed it's definitely the most you know the go-to yeah it's it's inappropriate not to have gumdrops on at all right yeah yeah right yeah so again that's going to eat into our sugar supply because obviously gumdrops have sugar on them but they also have so gumdrops are pectin based so pectin is a structurally a structural acidic heteropolysaccharide, which is basically just like a gelling agent. It's often used as a substitute for gelatin because gelatin is is made from animal bones, but uh, pectin is made from plants. It's derived from plants. They mainly extract it from like uh, citrus peels. So sometimes it's used as a substitute for like vegan stuff if if you don't want animal products. But uh, I tried to find like what the largest gumdrop in the world was just to use that as a benchmark. And I couldn't find it really because I searched giant gumdrop. I searched large gumdrop. I searched a bunch of things and no one keeping track of this stuff. Well, so a a lot of gumdrops are like marketed as giant. So like I just found one inch diameter gumdrops that said that they were giant, (laughs) (laughs) which I disagree. I don't think that's giant. Well, compare them to the regular gumdrops and you'll see. <laughs> but I just use the one inch gumdrop as like a basis. Um, anyway, so if you use a one inch diameter gumdrop, that means that we we have 518 million metric tons of gumdrops. And I don't know exactly how much pectin we would need for that. I couldn't find the ratio. But um, the worldwide production of pectin in 2019 was 77,000 metric tons. 77,000 compared to 518 million. I feel like we need more pectin than that. So I don't think we're necessarily going to have enough gumdrops, at least to keep the same ratio of of gumdrop to the world record house. But again, gumdrops are one of the lower tier ingredients. I don't think we necessarily need all those gumdrops. We can have some gumdrops, but we we can sacrifice a few. I like how gumdrops have gone from the most important ingredient to a lower tier ingredient. I never said they were the most important ingredient. <laughs> you said right at the beginning that the gumdrops were the, 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 the key ingredient. That's They're the why key all the candy piece of gumdrops. candy. Oh. oh That's very, yeah. <laughs> <is> very different. Yeah. Very different. I'm like, where, what, how am I supposed to feel about gumdrops now? <laughs> <laughs> I personally don't really like gumdrops. They're they're generally pretty trash. They vary a lot. I think they vary a lot. You can get a good gumdrop and you can get a really, really bad gumdrop yeah so the next ingredient i looked at was the icing i think they're marginally more important than the gumdrops 
I mean, they hold the thing together, so they're important. And Ben found, I actually couldn't find the numbers for the, the icing on the world record, but Ben did. I figure what numbers he said, but the production numbers, I couldn't, again, I couldn't really find anything, but it's broken up into egg whites and powdered sugar. So that's just going to eat into our supply for eggs and sugar later, because I use those later for the gingerbread and we'll get to that later. So again, if we don't have enough eggs and sugar, icing, while it is important, it's again, it's something we can replace with. Like, we can put some icing just for, like, the looks and the aesthetics of it and just hold it together with something more available, like glue or something. So those first three ingredients are kind of, like, you can sacrifice them. The one thing you can't sacrifice is a gingerbread. You can't have a gingerbread house without gingerbread. So, again, Ben went already, already went over the ingredients that went into this gingerbread. I multiplied all those ingredients by 2 billion to get the what we would need for the entire world. And then I looked at the worldwide production numbers that we that we currently produce for all those ingredients. And I actually thought sugar was going to be the limiting factor because there's a lot of sugar and candy and all the sweet stuff. So in 2018, there were we produced 179 million metric tons of sugar, which is 6.9% of what we would need, which so is pretty enough. low. Yeah, it's pretty low. Um, it's not the lowest that we have, though. It's not the closest either. So the closest ingredient that we have to what we actually need is the eggs. So we produce 1.28 trillion eggs, which is 8.9% of what we need. That's the closest that we have. <laughs> Still nowhere close. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was, I, was waiting, I was expecting that number to be like 89% or something. But no, no. it's not. Still not close. <laughs> not close at all. And then the furthest that we have, the ingredient that we're doing the worst on, is the butter. So we produced 10.5 million metric tons of butter. Uh, that was in 2019, and that's 0.7% of what we need. So it's very bad. <laughs> yeah, it, it makes sense. That's the one thing. I don't really bake, so it's always the one thing that always like is weird to me when I see uh, when I see Sarah bake. It's just like she's like making something. She's like, oh, yeah, I just need to add butter, and then throws like a stick and a half of butter in like the you know portion of cookies, and I'm like, Oh, that's a lot of butter. <laughs> yeah. We always forget about the butter, but you need a lot of butter to bake. It's insane. Yeah. That's mainly why it's so bad for you, I guess. And why it tastes so good. Yeah. It's why it's so bad for your body and so good for the soul. <laughs> <laughs> so the butter is our limiting factor. And with the amount of butter that we make, we can make 14 million gingerbread houses in the world, which is not nearly enough. So... We have an average of four people per household in the world, and that means that 7.74 billion people will be homeless, which is 99% of the population. Oh, good. Yeah. So I want to solve this somehow. How can we, like, increase the number of houses? Or decrease the number of people. Bang! Go. <laughs> well, that's, that's an option, I guess. <laughs> Christmas spirit. The, yeah, the harsh realities <laughs> of Christmas miracles. So... Since butter is a limiting factor, we need to increase our production of butter. I want to see how long this would actually take to produce enough butter for the houses. So one cow can produce around 530 pounds of butter per year. That's assuming that all of the milk that they produce goes purely to butter. So uh, the world cow population is 987 million cows. 
which means that they can produce 237 million metric tons of butter. That's compared to the 1.6 billion metric tons that we need in, so the 237 million that's in one year. So if we keep that rate of production of butter, that means it'll take almost seven years to produce that, to produce enough butter that we need. So it's not really ideal to have 99% of our population homeless for seven years. It's a long time. So uh, I wanted to see if we can maybe speed up this process. And to do this, I want to see if maybe we could increase our cow populations, multiply it by seven, and then maybe it'll only take one year. The thing is, it takes time to breed your cows. So if we have a certain amount of cows, the gestation period for a cow is around 283 days. And for a newborn cow, it takes about a year before a cow goes through puberty and can get pregnant. So the first year of a cow's life is kind of, you can't, they can't get pregnant. So that means with our current cow population, in order to multiply it by seven, it would take about three to four years just to get enough cows. And all during those three to four years, all that milk would be going to feeding the baby cows. It wouldn't be going to be making butter. So once we have enough cows, it would take an additional year to make all the butter, which is a total of five years. Doesn't reduce the time that much from seven years to five years. And the thing is, cows are incredibly bad for the environment. So cows produce a lot of methane gas, which is a greenhouse gas. It's actually methane has a global warming potential 84 times greater than carbon dioxide over a 20 year time frame. Yeah, it's not good stuff. It's not good. <laughs> It does have a shorter life, uh, half-life than carbon dioxide, so its effects on global warming are shorter. So, like, over in a 100-year time frame, it, it's only 28 times worse than carbon dioxide, but still <laughs> Only 28 <laughs> still times pretty worse, bad. everybody. <laughs> Feel good about that one. This is the main reason that people kind of push for plant-based diets, because methane emissions from cows is already an issue, um, so people like to reduce that. So if we multiply our cow population by seven within like three to four years, that means that our methane emissions are going to skyrocket and global warming is going to rapidly increase. So I feel like we have two options here. We can either have 99% of our population be homeless for seven years, or we can have 99% of our population be homeless for five years and the world catches fire. Hmm. Well... I'll say no snow on Christmas is not in the Christmas spirit. Okay, so, seven years it is. <laughs> the world being on fire would make it easier to cook all the gingerbread, though. Okay, five years it is. <laughs> also, just just a a related fun fact I learned um, this week. I was reading a news article about it. As far as like the cow methane problem goes, they're doing studies now, and they found that if you add a certain type of seaweed to the cow's diet, and like not even like. Now the cows eat seaweed, like, if it's, like, 0.2% of the mass of stuff they eat, that the chemicals in the seaweed will negate the methane production process in the cows while they digest. Oh, that's interesting. And if they add this seaweed to the cow's feed, it'll re- it reduces the methane emissions from cows by, like, 98%. Well, now I need to look up if we have enough seaweed in the world. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't do that. Yeah, you know, Next you should have done more research, Chris. I know. I mean, I was even trying to research it, and I know more facts. <laughs> I know now. I know for next time. But uh, I just wanted to share because I thought that was really cool and kind of just some good news for the for the to to, to cap off this year that we're in. 
that maybe cow methane will be less of a problem soon. Yeah, maybe we can we can handle the five years and not catch on fire. Yeah, that would be good. <laughs> so anyway, that that was my answer. Uh, I don't know if I should call you Marcus or Santa Claus. Uh, it's Santa Claus. San- Thank you. Okay, Santa Claus. What was please what you, never you, call you him that. <laughs> Too um, late. It, yeah, it's um, it's Christmas, Mister Santa Claus. Actually, <laughs> <laughs> so one of the things we kind of touched on with all these gingerbread houses is that yeah even after you make them they don't last particularly long like elf ben mentioned they last about three to four weeks if they're just kind of sitting out in the open which they would be as a house you you can do things to preserve them they'll they'll last six to eight months if you put them in the freezer and some people who like make a really nice gingerbread house and want to save it season to season it can go up to a year or two if you protect it sufficiently but the way they do it is like with this modeling lacquer and they just like literally like coat it with you know basically transparent glue i don't say this i don't like the lacquer proposition because it basically immediately makes your house inedible and once we do that we might as well start using real building materials like wood and crap <laughs> like <laughs> i mean they're already on a slippery slope with the world record so yeah exactly so the slippery slope there i want to maintain that our house is edible so basically we need to we need to get that same protective effect on the gingerbread but we have to do it with something else so it doesn't mean we can't have protective coating um we just need to use some kind of candy to do it and um plenty of icings and candies can be used they'd be like they would coat it nicely and they they tend to last a lot longer than the gingerbread does but we run into our second major problem which is water so as you may be aware not sure if you guys know this but most Every candy is heavily sugar-based. <laughs> and the issue here is that sugar dissolves in water. And combined with the fact that our planet likes to occasionally drop a whole lot of that water on us from the sky. So we have this issue where if we have a heavy rainstorm, basically every component of our gingerbread house is dissolvable. So it's not really going to last for very, very long in at all. It's just not going to last. So I was almost gave up on this whole concept for a while but it turns out there is one subset of candies that does not dissolve in water and that's the most important candy of the whole goddamn thing which is gumdrops and gummy candies they don't dissolve in water so i'm not sure about the pectin ones but interestingly gummy candies and it's usually done with um with gummy bears is where I, where my research went through but you can make gumdrops the same way of course so they still have plenty of sugar in them, but thanks to the gelatin, and this is why I'm not sure about the pectin-based ones, because of the gelatin, they'll actually hold together even when they're submerged in water. And this is because the gelatin binds the sugar tightly and creates on the outside of the candy kind of a semi-permeable membrane that won't allow sugar molecules to dissociate through that and go through that membrane to dissolve in the water. I imagine it's probably pretty similar with the pectin. Yeah, it's they they have certain, they serve similar functions. It would depend on the exact chemistry of how the pectin works. Yeah. Again, it, it, there's definitely a chance that they both work, but maybe it doesn't. I don't know. Funnily, it also does the semi-permeable barrier does allow water back into the gummy through um, osmosis, and so if you have enough moisture, the gummies will actually expand in size. So one of the common you know at home kids experiments involves letting gummy bears sit in water overnight, and you'll see that after you know the next day, those gummy bears will be like you know, twice the size of the original gummy bears next to them. And I'll say this, this expansion is actually kind of perfect because one of the tricky parts of waterproofing a building 
is all the tiny gaps and connections between your components of the building. So, you know, if you have, you know, two flat sheets of whatever waterproof material, the gap between them, water can get right in there and sneak into the house. But if you have this expansion, once it starts to get wet, if you have, you know, created this wall of gumdrops or gummy bears, it'll be almost self-sealing in that once it gets wet, it'll start to expand and it'll close naturally close up all those little gaps to better protect all the gingerbread and stuff behind it. So basically the outside of your house is going to be just have to be flat wall and you can either, you know, I guess it depends on how you want your house to look. You can decorate it yourself. Either, you know, either gummy bears, gumdrops, or just like a sheet gummy material covering the entire face of that gingerbread will be the outside of your house. So this, I think, works. So we've got the outside of the house weather tight, but we still have to look at how long we can make the, our whole house last. Like I mentioned, the first, the, first good, the first good bit of news is that we've readily effectively sealed the outside of our gingerbread with that gummy wall, which protects us from the water, but also will help serve as like a sealant. So, you know, you can get like that modeling lacquer from before, like the one side of our gingerbread is sealed. The bad, first bit of bad news is I don't, I think the interior side of the walls is trickier. I don't want gummy walls on the inside of my house because that seems like a nightmare. <laughs> Like, if all your walls are just sticky and made of gummies, that's just terrible. And then the other way of preserving the gingerbread was by, like, keeping it in the freezer. And while we could theoretically keep our house, you know, freezer cold, I don't really want to live in that nightmare either. So what do we do now with the interior walls, which are still in, they're inside, but they're now, you know, they're these like, the exposed part of the wall. So my solution is to actually add a wall. So we're going to use a double layered wall with this, with another, with a layer of icing or, or more gummy in between them. So basically the outer wall of the gingerbread is going to be fully protected on both sides. Um, and it's going to be like our structural piece. So this gingerbread is going to last quite a while, has the gummy on the outside, protects the inner one. And the inner wall is the deck is a more decorative wall. So it's going to last the three to four weeks. And this kind of gives you, and you'll, you'll just have to regularly replace your interior walls because they are eventually going to go, they're going to go bad and stale in a month or so. So if you want to keep eating them, you can do that. But it does give you the excuse to eat parts of your house without, you know, actually destroying it. So the, you get the excuse to eat the part of the gingerbread. You get the excuse to decorate it all the time, which I think is really kind of in the spirit of things. So you have the interior walls are replaced, but the exterior structural stuff stays in place and is protected by gummies. I, I like that. I like that the like end point of my answer is wow, we're gonna waste so much food. And Chris's was wow, it's gonna be impossible to have enough uh, gingerbread for all this. And Marcus's answer is let's use twice as much gingerbread. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but wait, guys. Yeah, well, that's why we all do different answers because none of these are all gonna work together. Right. <laughs> uh, I think. I think we, what you meant to say was none of these are gonna work. <laughs> you had too many words in that sentence, sir. Well, I still got more problems to solve, uh -oh. so hang on to your seats. Oh, hang on to your seats, boys. He called us boys again. Uh-oh. I did. I don't like that either. That was intentional. <laughs> so one additional downside to your house being made of food is that it's guaranteed to attract rodents and pests. You know, rodents and pests are already attracted to houses that aren't made of delicious things. So let's look at some of the big ones. Let's start with rats. Rats are not going to have... Absolutely, they're gonna have absolutely no problem uh, chewing through your gingerbread house um, because they already, you know, chew into regular houses that are made of stronger stuff. 
And I honestly don't know what a rat would then do with a, with a whole wall that is edible instead of an inedible wall being just in their way to, like, shelter. So I feel like a rat problem would be even worse than it would be in a regular house. So I started looking through the ways to keep rats at bay, and I did find, I think, a perfect one for our situation. Because it turns out there are a set of scents that rats naturally dislike and will avoid. And on this list are cloves, citronella, ammonia, but most importantly, cinnamon and peppermint. I knew the peppermint one because I've, well, I didn't have a rat problem. I had a mouse problem and I saw the peppermint thing. Yeah, so all you really got to do is add some cinnamon flavor to your gingerbread recipe and add some peppermint-based candies into your construction, like whether you do like you know, just have like a, a perimeter of them around the house or however you get your peppermint in there. You, If you have all these flavors going on, it should be generally be okay, you know, or at least not worse than it is normally with rats because they're not going to want to eat your whole house, which I think is good. So that theoretically takes care of the rat problem. And the other one I looked, I mean, there's more rat rodents and pests that you could go through, but the other one I looked at is ants. Conveniently, ants also aren't fans of cinnamon and peppermint. So the same home remedy would kind of keep them out of the house itself. But that doesn't really stop them from climbing on the outside of your house, on your wonderful um, gummy wall. So I, I felt like I needed to address that one. Like, rats aren't going to be st- sticking to the outside of your house. They're not going to, like, remove your exterior. But ants are going to be all over it. And that's just gross in my... I don't want that. That's how you get ants. on the outside of my house like that. That's how you get ants. So I was, I was on this, um, you know, food pest remedy kick. And the other trick to fighting ants with food is actually lemon peels. So the natural oil in a lemon peel comes from a chemical called D-limonene, D-limonene, like D-limonene, limonene. I'm going to call it limonene. And this chemical is actually toxic to ants. So if an ant, you know, eats or goes on this uh, and interacts with this oil, the ant will actually die. Uh, What's convenient is that the same chemical in the peels is what they use for an artificial flavoring agent for citrus flavors. So all you really need to do to make your outside of your house, you know, kind of amp-proof is to just make your gummy wall lemon-flavored with this with this chemical, and it will kill any ants that try and eat it. It's the worst flavor of gummies. Yeah, I mean, you have to deal <laughs> with that. <laughs> yeah. but I guess you're not eating the gummy part of it. It's toxic to them, so maybe you can make, like, you know, lemon lime or lemon strawberry and like combine other flavors with the lemon. Right. Seven up. Yeah. Like you can, you can, you can make it a variable a little bit. I saw a seven up cake uh, on Amazon. (laughs) Oh no. Why? (laughs) Why? And they had really good reviews. All the reviews are like, oh, this is amazing. I think if you're going to buy a seven up cake, you are automatically disqualified from giving any feedback on food. (laughs) like so, there were no bad reviews on it, it this weird. is just like a thing apparently wait like i'm looking up there's like a bunch of recipes for it it's apparently just like a way to make a pound cake and you use seven up in it i guess it's a lot of sugar i guess it's just like a, a way to get the sugar in there i i guess i don't know ah uh, i don't i don't want it a little bit <laughs> now I'm that curious. i'm thinking about the flavor profile it. i'm like i do want a citrusy sugary cake like i would eat that it's definitely better than having it as a liquid but uh, anyway, that's that, that was kind of my, my rodents and pest problem, which actually, you know, I guess depending on how effective these uh, food home remedies are, actually 
that's the most practical solution out of anything so far this episode i think <laughs> that seems true yeah and i have just here at the end just some some of the other things that I, that I looked at that would be kind of just you know tack on problems to your gingerbread house um that you can add to the, the ever-growing list that we've been having again we talked about gingerbread isn't the strongest building material um so you're gonna probably have some structural concerns it's also not the weakest though and you can probably bake it to be like sturdier to make like a more a drier and you know denser recipe so again you, the, the end result is that you'll just have like to do smaller rooms or more columns or thicker floor stuff like that one thing i did like you know how i talked about it being like you know the cold keeps them last longer i do like that it's thematically on point that if you build your gingerbread house in the arctic it will last longer and be better <laughs> so <laughs> gingerbread houses are more practical the further north and closer to north pole that you get and then the one the one rabbit hole I wanted to go down but didn't make too much progress is in utilities, um, like plumbing and electric. Same. I also almost went down that rabbit hole and then decided not to. Yeah, it was it was tricky. So so the plumbing was tricky, but I could use the same gummy knowledge that I obtained, and I think you could do candy cane pipes lined with gummy on the inside to protect it from the you know the liquids flowing through it, and that could be your your plumbing system that would theoretically work poop gummies gummy is the gummy is the only thing that doesn't dissolve so it's it's going everywhere <laughs> gummy is the important one but the one the one i couldn't find anything for is i couldn't find a viable conductor that you could use for electricity there was one person there i saw one article about how melted milk chocolate can act as a weak ferrofluid when you run you know electric currents through it and it'll actually react to the electrical current passing through it which is cool and interesting but you can't have like melted milk chocolate wires. <laughs> and as far as anything. I can tell, it's like nowhere close to the conductivity of like copper. Yeah, it's not, and I wasn't even looking for close. It's just that sugar based things just aren't very conductive just on how they form. So all candies and since gingerbread wasn't one, basically you'd have to have something totally different to be conductive. And in researching what foods are conductive, all I get is, you know, potatoes and lemons and limes. As the, the typical, you know, plug in your potato battery type science. Yeah. And the order of magnitude was like way off. <laughs> yeah, it's also way off. Like you could theoretically try and just like, actually, I don't even know if that worked. If you could just try and jam enough electric output from a, you know, a power plant into the wires to, to compensate for them being made out of potatoes. But I don't know if that's, <laughs> <laughs> that's probably not a real yeah, solution. Yeah, the electrical engineer. I'm going to go ahead and say that does not work. <laughs> safe safe bet yeah i could have said that too but i don't have an fancy degree elf pen i mean sorry oh, yes, oh of, course, of course yeah but yeah so plumbing kind of works electricity doesn't work structures kind of works and you can put it at the north pole to be a little better off and that's where i ended up with um my gingerbread house stuff so i guess put them all together and it doesn't work but <laughs> if you look at each individual bit <laughs> almost but almost about as close as we get. So that, that lets us move on to our would-you-rather question of the day. Elf Ben, mm. are you ready for your would-you-rather question? Sure. Would you rather have Frosty the Snowman or Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer as a friend? I mean, so there's, there's, there is a very real problem with one of these friends. And it is that clearly Frosty is racist. No, um, it is. <laughs> it is that Frosty is 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 
as as shown in the animated holiday special, incapable of lasting forever. So if you choose Frosty the Snowman, you have to accept the fact that he is going to be effectively dead for large portions of the year. But he comes back. He does. Yeah. He yeah, does. He comes back. He does come back. But like, there's not that much. There's not snow around all the time. Well, it depends where you live. I, I guess that. I guess that's fair. I guess that is a pretty important like like question to ask when answering this this question. Also, would do you think Frosty works on artificial snow? I think so. I think why not? Huh? If you work at like a, you work at you you work and live at a ski resort that has uh you know the year round snow slopes. What is that artificial snow that's like year round? Is it just? I assume it's just made from ice. In ski resorts, what is artificial snow made of in ski resorts? Like it might just be actual snow that they make with a machine. Yeah, it's it, it's you fire air and water under pressure into the cold air to make tiny ice crystals. Yeah, and it works at the resort. So you basically you're have to be, be a little cold. Yeah, yeah, you basically set up the conditions for even just a little bit of cold mix snow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean that sounds like legit snow to me. Right, that's just snow. It's just made with yeah, snow. that would yeah. work. So I guess I guess okay. So assuming you don't live somewhere, he's gonna be you know, non-existent for eight months of the year. I don't remember what Frosty's personality is. He was jolly, generally. He was jolly. Yeah. He, I was, I'm going to clear his name. He did not seem racist to me. I just want to put that out there. <laughs> <laughs> I was wondering, I was ready for, I was super ready for that. And here's the thing you don't remember about Frosty Snowman, where he just like shits on the black kid, like the, no. whole, <laughs> the whole movie <laughs> no, if you watch no, no, closely. No. Um, I just don't his remember name. the movie enough. I, I watched it when we did, uh, uh, the hat one. The hat one last year. <laughs> I mean, I feel like I'd have more in common with Frosty the Snowman because he seems kind of just like a jolly humanoid, humanoid ish thing. I don't, I don't, can't really relate to like, you know. Rudolph gets bullied all the time. Rudolph does, or get bullied at least all in the, the beginning. Time. Yeah, are you pre or post Christmas Rudolph? Gotta be post, right? Yeah, is he popular? I'd, I'd imagine so. Yeah, I'd imagine he's not a popular Rudolph. Is it gone to his head? Yeah, he's the head of the pack now. He is. Like he could have. Yeah, I'm thinking like of a, actually hanging out complex. with these two. I think of actually hanging out with these two guys. I, I'm starting to come to the the opinion that maybe eight months of them not existing is a positive and not a negative. <laughs> <laughs> actually, that's a really good point. Like, I don't know if I want to hang out with Rudolph Rudolph's reindeer all the time, right? I think it's gonna be pretty Christmas focused. He does have other friends though. He does, but like with Frosty, you only have to like you know have him around at christmas you know or like roughly which seems kind of nice you know he's my snowman i feel friend. like when frosty is around though he'll be pretty clingy just because he's the only snowman and since you i'm assuming you're the one that put the hat on him so you're kind of like his god <laughs> that's that is actually a very very good point but frosty does frosty has some pretty cool like you know frosty's into some fun stuff like you know sledding and um I'm at, I'm trying to remember the stuff. From the Carrots. Snow, 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 I don't Rudolph know. Can, be in there. Rudolph can fly. Oh shoot! Yeah, Rudolph can't fly. That that's actually a really really good point. You can ride Rudolph and fly places. The flight I think might put put Rudolph over the edge. And he know he knows he knows Santa. He does know <laughs> Santa too. That's that's really that's really you know you're you're really sort of you know line up the arguments now for Rudolph, Chris. <laughs> yeah, he has a lot of street cred. I do feel a little bad that all of our arguments for Rudolph are entirely utilitarian. We do not seem like good friends. <laughs> well, look at, like, what are you going to do with Rudolph? He, he plays freaking reindeer games like Monopoly. No one wants to play Monopoly with a reindeer. How would he move the pieces? He's got a mouth. <laughs> oh, that seems very unsanitary. 
Yeah, it's a reindeer. Okay, well, you got me there. All right. <laughs> does 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 uh Frosty have? He has arms. He has actual arms, arms like and hands. Stick arms or like? No, it's like actual snow, snow arms. arms and hands. Oh, okay. The thing is, is there temptation with with Frosty to betray him? And like, you're like, oh, hey, Frosty, I don't want you to have to experience melting, so I'm gonna take your hat off. And then next year, you revive him, and he checks the weather from like the previous February, and it was like. Uh, it was below freezing for like three weeks, my dude. <laughs> <laughs> like, what the hell? God, this one's actually pretty tough. I'm leaning towards Rudolph. So the problem I have is that it probably should be Rudolph, but I feel really bad that all the reasons for that are just like, he knows he has cool friends and can fly me places. Like, I mean, he's, what's his personality like? He's kind of annoying, right? Like, is he? Is that why he's getting bullied? I feel like, I feel like he's kind of, I don't know. He's getting bullied because he's different, so that's, I mean, yeah, that's fine. I don't mind that he has a red nose. All right, I think, I think I've, I, I think I've made a decision. This one's weird, though. Okay, what's your decision? Okay, Ben, what, what did you decide on? Elf Ben. I'm gonna go with Frosty, just because I feel like when it comes to hanging out with them, I would rather hang out with Frosty the Snowman, and I feel bad saying I'd rather have Rudolph as a friend because he can fly me places and no Santa Claus. Okay. Chris, where did you end up? I'm, I choose Rudolph because you know Santa Claus can fly me places. And I just, like, he had, like, he overcame his differences with the other reindeers so he can obviously get along with other other beings can rudolph talk rudolph can talk rudolph rudolph talks and he does talk to a human being he talks to uh cornelius whoever the minor guy prospector guy because i was i was imagining the the rudolph from the i think it's the year without a santa claus where it's like the um more puppety animation it's got the freeze meister and the heat meister guy um, and they have Rudolph on that one, but Rudolph is like a dog where he just like is a more, more pet like and he flies people around, but he doesn't talk. I'm pretty sure talk Rudolph his... talks in the like claymation. Yeah. in the claymation right? when he talks and he does talk to humans. Yeah. So I choose Rudolph. All right, Marcus, what are you going to do? If Rudolph, <laughs> if Rudolph can talk, I'm picking Frosty. <laughs> <laughs> Why? You don't want to talk to Rudolph? No, he's so annoying. <laughs> <laughs> Just, just these this like I just would, you know, if it's like, hey, hang out with Rudolph. I just would be like, oh, fucking this again. I, like Frosty, at least he's like, kind of an adult. I feel like he plays with the kids, but I feel like you know, if you were hanging out with Frosty as an adult, he might be able to be like, you know, get on your level. Rudolph does not have that ability, so I'll, I'll pick Frosty for the for the conversation, I guess. <laughs> but that does it for the Would You Rather. It is again the season of giving, everybody. And which means we shamelessly plug, selfishly, our Patreon page, www.patreon.com slash absurdhypotheticals. Click on that Become a Patron button there. Um, and for the for just $1 a month, a small Christmas miracle, you can help support the show and, you know, get access to our behind-the-scenes episodes where we talk about how we make the show, where the Christmas magic comes from. And all sorts of cool other things that we do in the behind-the-scenes special. If you want to find out, you can listen to me rant about on all the other episodes, or just pay the dollar and find out directly. Another good way to do it. So yeah, slash absurd hypotheticals. And either way, join us next week where we have our year-end episode. 
which we normally have done as the Absurdity Award Show, have now been replaced by a exciting new episode, the 2020 Year End Remix. We're going to remix a bunch of old questions from 2020 into a new question. Yeah, we basically, it's basically a hypothetical question super collider of fun nonsense is what we're doing. But if you want to find out exactly what that's all about, tune in next week. Oh, we should probably we should probably remind them that we're going to go on hi- hiatus after that episode. Ah, yes. For the so we don't have to well, just because recording is tough over the holiday season, we do take a one-month hiatus for the month of January. So, after the year-end episode, there will be four weeks of no episodes that and we'll start up again in february yeah our first episode back will be on february 1st february 1st but we will still have the behind the scenes episode in january yes so we do do the behind the scenes so if you want an episode in january go to the patreon but otherwise you'll have to wait all the way to february 1st to get the free stuff so there you go just one more reason to donate bye (laughs) 